0: Comrades, welcome to the new episode of Antifa News Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel, allegedly, and welcome to what is an anti-fascist analysis of local, state, national, and international headlines. This is a podcast based out of Sechas, the so-called capital of Washington state, and so often our stories will revolve around the Thurston County area. However, I... I'm happy to announce that I was able to take a little sojourn to Portland this weekend. To Portland. And out of this experience, I have some very exciting things to announce a little bit later in the podcast, including a special interview that we'll, we'll keep quiet until we get to that point. So it's a bit of a surprise. But other than that, welcome to the Antifa News Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Miguel, allegedly, and Welcome. <music> Now for our first story today, I already did a little bit of a preview on my Instagram, as I'm sure people have seen, but today's interview and the specific main portion of this podcast will be talking about the disappearance of Logan, Logan Schindelman and the possible murder case or what seems to be a racist murder that was committed against this young man. I was fortunate to speak with Mike and Mary Ware, the aunt and uncle of Logan Schindelman, Here's their story. A very special shout-out to Mike and Mary Ware, the aunt and uncle of Logan Schindelman. I couldn't have asked for better people to talk to about this case, people that genuinely care about what happened to their nephew and want to be able to find him and find justice. Please support them. I began by asking about Jacob. Now, Jacob is a person of interest in this case because he is the ex-boyfriend of Chloe, Chloe was Logan Schindelman's half-sister, and there were a lot of concerning things about Logan's behavior. We'll go ahead and let Mike and Mary talk about this.
1: Well, I didn't find out about Jake until um, Logan had been home from college, from WSU, and my mom, who at that time was in her 90s, said that Jake had moved in to, um, to Jenny and Bill's house with Chloe. And my mom was a little skeptical about him being there. And then one time I called Jenny's house to talk to her and she and Logan answered and, and he said, no, she wasn't there right now. And then he kind of lowered his voice and said, do you know who's living here? And I said, yeah. I said, I heard, you mean this Jake person? And he said, yeah. And I said, is that a problem at all? And he said, well, no. And then he goes, well, yeah. And I said, and I hear that he's got some kids. I said, do the kids bother you? And he said, well, yeah. Oh, no, no. He said, kids don't bother me. He said, but he does. And he said, they do. So, he kind of ended it. How long ago
2: was that before he went missing? That
1: had to be. That had to be. Maybe before Thanksgiving, before in 2015, because we went to their house for Thanksgiving. And Jake sat next to me at Thanksgiving, and Chloe sat next to me, and and Jake was just pretty quiet. There was a big crowd there, so there wasn't much going on, you know, he, with Jake. He wasn't really, he was kind of stepping away, taking care of his kids, and I mean, it just was like, it was this like a normal Thanksgiving, um, but I, but... I just I just felt that he felt very uncomfortable in that setting. And Logan, at that point, had come out of his room and he was wearing like a Burger King outfit and everybody was, hey Logan, hi, how are you? And he said, fine, and, and he said, I gotta get to work. And they said, you're not staying? And he said, no, I gotta head to work. And he just went straight to his car and
2: drove off to work so one thing about Logan that everyone always says that he, that was interviewed about him when he was in school, high school was that he was so friendly, he was outgoing his videos show him being very socially interactive, he was playful he was just this fun kid but when he came back from college he was this person who seemed very different is what they say we don't know why he was just different. He was very standoffish, kept to himself. And when we talked on the phone the other day, you said something that kind of stuck out to me that made me realize, huh, I wonder if that's why. Could you reiterate what you told me? Um, the conversations that you'd had with him about um, being fearful
1: was about them was that time on the phone and and he was I believe fearful. I'm I'm pretty sure. he would never have told me something like that. He wouldn't have even brought it up normally. He was pretty soft spoken and anyway, and I don't think it was because something had happened to him at college or anything. I think it was that he had come home and there was an additional person living in the house.
0: Now, before we continue with the rest of this interview, I wanted to make a few notes for people listening. First, I want to know who James Basinger is because we will bring him up quite a bit in this podcast. For those of you who don't know, Logan Schindelman's case is currently the focus of the second season of the Hide and Seek podcast from James Basinger. He's also going to continue into the third season with the story of Logan Schindelman. Now, James Basinger has been diligent about doing the work to try to figure out what happened to this young man. All of his evidence points to Jacob playing a large part in this. So that's where that difference is. If you are somebody who wants to look further into this case, I absolutely encourage you to listen to James Basinger's Hide and Seek podcast. But... He's somebody that I'll add we intend to talk to in the future to continue talking about this case. However, go ahead and enjoy the rest of this interview.
2: emotionally involved if someone were like invading his grandma's space, and he was like, "Hey, back off! You're kind of you're kind of uh, disrespecting grandma right now."
1: I've never seen him do that. Um, actually, I've heard about him doing that, especially with children. Uh, like at one football game, somebody's child got out on the football field, and Logan happened to see it, this child. And left the game, went over and picked the child up and ran it off the field to its parents. While he was playing? Yes.
2: Wow. So, while he was playing. So, would you say that because of Jake's children, at any time if Jake was being disrespectful to his kids, do you think he would step in and say something?
1: Yes. I think he was, and there's some place where I heard that, and I don't think it was, that that somebody has actually stated that in the podcast. They did say that in the podcast, actually. Yes, somebody said that, and I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who it
2: was either. It was one, oh, it was the ex-boyfriend. One of Chloe's ex-boyfriends had mentioned,
1: um
2: that he tended to be protective over the children and didn't like the way he had treated them.
1: You're right. I do remember that. I do remember
3: that.
0: So So what's this, uh, there was another comment that I heard of Jacobs that's a little more concerning. You know, it seems like there's a level of, I mean, just the disrespect towards his kids and with uh, Logan. But um, with that, I also heard a comment about uh, white on black crime. Mm. Do you want to talk about that?
1: That's the first I heard of that as well. And that was from a text that was in the police records that had we'd never heard about before, that James, James was given the case file. James Basinger was given the case file. And um, in that case file were some actual text that he got to read. And I believe it was with a girl that Logan was um, dating. He'd met her on the internet. He was trying. He was meeting girls and, on the internet, and and I and I believe that's what he texted her. I think I I had never heard before about any of this until James. I found it. Yeah, I found it.
2: And that was something that detective. Beale had discovered but hadn't shared with anybody else, correct? The initial detective?
1: I don't know if he even discovered it. Okay. So when James did all the
0: Yeah, I mean it seems like James did all the work to figure out what happened and uh yeah, handed it on to defect- detective Frawley and detective Frawley's not doing anything.
2: To be honest, James is the real
3: detective. <laughs> there? Yeah, 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 that's
0: that's what I'm seeing. So, uh, well, you what? said you worked with the detectives. Have yeah, one one. Yeah, you have any... Yeah, you were a detective. Did you yeah, have... that was quite a long time
4: ago. Yeah. Okay. Did you have interactions with Detective Frawley at all?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: My interaction with Frawley was that uh, I supervised him. <laughs> and I was in patrol, not detectives. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, and how was he then? Like, what did you get from his character working with him then? Quiet. Quiet? Yeah. Okay.
2: That's what I hear from people is that he was a, That he was just... That he's a good person on the outside but then when you deal with something like this it's a different story. Yeah.
1: When uh, Logan first went missing and Ginny finally made it to the sheriff's office to report him missing because a few days went by and she actually thought that he was probably staying at his mother's house and so she didn't. Immediately call 911 to report him missing. But she, when she she ended up going to the sheriff's office, and then they basically told her that you know people are allowed to go missing, adults are allowed to go missing, which is kind of sounds like a sounds like what they tell most people when they first come in, because a lot of people do show up. You know, they've been at a friend's for. week but excuse me it wasn't at all like Logan to do that so she went back home and then I think after another day she hadn't heard back from the sheriff's office so she let me know um, because her brother-in-law was a retired deputy so we kind of hopped on it Mike went down to the sheriff's office um, and talked to Detective Beale. At that time, when I talked to D- Detective Beale after that, that same day, I called him and said that I was really concerned that Logan hadn't shown up. Uh, detective Beale said, I am not a regular detective. I am a forensics detective and I just work with computers, and he said I've never worked case, and he said, and all I have here on my desk are two lines on a sheet of paper, and I don't, I, I just don't have time for this, and I and I just basically said, well, I don't, I don't know what to do about that then because apparently you're assigned, and so. He said he, when he had some time, he'd work on it. And it wasn't. I did tell him that Jenny thought that Logan was probably hanging out at his mother's house, and didn't want anybody to know because she'd been kind of at odds with his, his mom, which is her daughter, for some time. They didn't speak a lot. Um, so I we hung up and then Detective Beale called me back and he said, I just called Logan's mother. She's terribly upset. He is not there and she's really worried he's not there. And it, it's from there on, I believe Jen, Jenny then called and told me that she'd heard that they had that the friday preceding that like a week before logan's car had been towed from the freeway and that is is, we found out the sheriff's office finally ran his plate and found that his car had been towed off the freeway the previous friday which would have been like six days had passed and nobody even though the car was registered to jenny and bill they received no call that their Car had been towed and it had been towed by the State Patrol, which who then told us it was not their policy to run license plates on abandoned cars on the freeway. So they just tow them and it had been towed to Tanino. To so and <clears throat> they'd also heard that a When they contacted the State Patrol, when the Sheriff's Office, I believe it was Beale, contacted the State Patrol, they told him about a tall, thin man that had run from the car into the woods. So that sort of set off some bells for us. I believe at that time Beale immediately went to Jenny's house. No, no, wait, I'm wrong. At that time, they told Jenny she could go pick up the car. It was at a tow yard in Tonino. So she and Bill went and picked up the car. Um, They brought it. was no they were not and then Mike's asked why not and his re- the response he got was because the chain of evidence had been broken and Mike asked who was the person who made that decision and I believe they said it was Lieutenant Rudloff maybe or was it Simper? No, No, it was one of the male supervisors who said that. Because I think that email is still on your computer. I was looking at it the other day. Well, the chain of evidence was broken because they asked Jenny and Bill to go pick up the car. And it was sitting in a tow yard at, what, $300 a day. So they did. Went
0: and picked it up, so that was were the they reason. Were they footed with a bill too? Like, did they have to pay for the oh, yes, yeah, uh, it was a huge bill, yeah. So, uh, as somebody who's a former detective, like with uh, the break and chain of evidence, how does that I mean,
4: what do you think of that? Well, they apparently were looking at it <coughs> from the mindset of somebody who left on their own sometimes it's not a crime involved so without a crime they decided that there was no reason to process the vehicle but it's been, it's been done in other agencies actually even been done in this agency a long time ago once a there's an indication of an actual crime you can pick up that chain of evidence. You know, In an incident like this, sure, there's a gap of a few days, but, okay, now if we have a, a specific indication of a crime, let's go back, grab this, process it, maintain your, your chain from there on out. So it could have been done. Uh, still can. I think it was still done, in, I think it was done in, under the, Frame of mind that this is merely a missing person, somebody who left on their own, that there's no, there's no indication of a crime. And even through all of Frawley's investigations, he, even, he even made his comments himself. He had no proof of a crime, and he had no proof of just a missing person. He never, apparently, never developed anything to tip the scale one way or the other. What do you think that is? Uh, Well, I would venture to say.
2: If you were a trooper at this time and you found an abandoned vehicle with their driver's license, wallet, and phone in the car, what would you do?
4: Well, that's been changed. Uh, Even at that time, any county officer who came under that type of Mm -hmm. circumstance, would have tried to have dispatch contact the registered owner and see if they know where their car is. That car was abandoned it would suggest one of two scenarios either it's a uh, stolen vehicle, which is why the person wanted to get away or probably a person with, with a warrant or a DUI either one of those, those were the two logical expectations for an officer who's responding. State patrol at that time apparently did not have the policy of contacting registered owners for an impound. That has been changed since then. Okay, so uh, now
2: that is what they do?
4: An officer under that coming under a vehicle of that circumstance, yeah, have your dispatch call the registered owner, ask them if they know where their car is.
2: So what about here when it says, no body homicide cases classifications? Leaving family members, close friends, and loved ones without explanation might appear out of character for this person. Emotionally significant items such as cell phone, a favorite blanket, a keepsake, special photographs, favorite clothes, house or car keys, and a purse or wallet left behind often indicate an unexplained or unplanned departure, abandoning financial assets, cash, savings account, credit or debit cards, or a checkbook, personal records, driver's license, birth certificates, military discharge papers, social security card. To start a new life makes no sense if the individual left deliberately and voluntarily. By identifying sudden disruptions in the missing person's normal routine that have no plausible explanation, investigators can prove the negative. The victim did not Planned the departure and consequently can be classified as a non-body homicide. So why is Logan not a non-body homicide, and why is Frawley not?
1: Especially considering the fact, especially considering the fact that Nancy Moyer went missing and her purse was left at home on the counter, and they took it much more seriously. I mean, I, she was a no-body homicide within.
0: Do you think that this is because Logan is a person of color? That, that this is being ignored? Yeah. Also,
2: t- for the record, Nancy has a different detective.
0: Okay, yeah, okay, so obviously a different detective too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, well, the only thing I can say about that is that I had a friend who helped me make a flyer for mm-hmm. Logan. And Mike and I, went and had flyers made. We actually ran into a deputy in Lacey and gave him a flyer. He had no idea Logan was missing. He didn't know about it. Um, On the flyer, I had put mixed race. But when the sheriff's flyer came out, they had put black. And I asked him, so why did, did you just did you use black? And I was given the reason that, I'm trying to remember what that reason was, why they, because, because he looked black and he had certain characteristics and that's just the term that they used. Well, not that it matters, but Logan. Really didn't have a lot of l- look black looking characteristics,
0: yeah, no, I mean he definitely looks mixed race so it looks like there's a bit of Arabian there as well, you know
1: yes and and it was just so frustrating to get to get through to them that this is not and and we also we didn't have a really recent picture of Logan, so we used some of his high school pictures when James Basinger got the case file from the sheriff's office. What is there but a picture of Logan taken in his room, and it was actually a video, like a week before he went missing, which showed
0: they weren't even sharing that with you. No,
1: we and and five years had passed, and they never shared that. Um, so I put that on the Facebook page. This is, You know, this is what he looked like. Because everybody is out there looking for this gorgeous, teenage, handsome, young man when he doesn't look like that anymore. Um, three years ago, I asked for an age-appropriate drawing of Logan as what he would look like. Now, Um, I was told that they'd have to look into it and see how to get that. I called um, one Facebook group about missing people who did those kind of pictures and asked them if they could do one for me for Logan, so what he would look like at age 22 because at that time, that's how old he was. they said they would have to have a request from law enforcement. So immediately got on the phone, called them, and told them this is what I, I needed. I actually talked to Frawley, and he said, um, I don't know how to get on that. I, I don't know how to do that, but um, I'll, I'll look into it and call you back. Well, I've never gotten that call back.
2: Same with no phone call records. Same with no Facebook records. He just can't seem to get them,
1: even yeah. though he's the only one that can't been real frustrating and we have really been pretty darn loyal and I defended Fraley many times from people who say he's not doing enough because Mike and I know what it's like in there it's busy lots of cases and but it's been real frustrating especially
2: when you've got someone giving you everything on a silver platter Hey, I did all your work for you. All you got to do is a couple more things, and I know. that's just simply call a phone company and get get some more records so I can get a little further.
0: Yeah. So I mean, do we? What about the uh, the records presented by James Basinger, You know, um, including the uh, the GPS records pinning people or pinning the car down to Camus and back. Um, yeah. Why is the
1: sheriff's office had that information? They're the ones that came up with it. Wow. They told us about it. Um, <laughs> Oh, believe me, they told us about it. Um,
0: Was this as like after, right after he went missing? Yes, James is the one who exposed it. Okay, yeah, and
4: yeah, yeah, it was actually fairly early. It it was, it was
1: on the page, and and I'd ask Beale, so can we like start looking at videos from? Oh. And, and he said, you want me from the, some of the stores on the way down or the exits. And he said, you want me to look up every single video camera from he said, here. He said,
2: do you expect me?
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, the like video So no, they they footage. didn't, they didn't like that idea either. So I actually, we actually had friends that drove down there and put up flyers wherever they could find place and they they spent a whole day down there doing that. Um, I did one time call the Camas police and told them that that my nephew's been missing for like three months and his car pinged down in that area and he the the Camas policeman was very very concerned and he said hang on and he ran uh, the plate for the car. He said, I'm going to run the plate to make sure that maybe somebody didn't get pulled over or some deputy didn't, or policeman, and he ran. He said, nope, nobody ran that plate at that time. And, And I said, well, we do have a detective working on it. So I gave him the detective's name, and he said, I'm willing to turn this over to our detectives and see what we can find out down on this end so I waited a while and I called him back in two weeks and he said, I called your detective and he said no. He had everything taken care of.
0: Oh, wow. So go Was this, this Beale business. or Frawley at this point?
1: Oh, it was Beale because yeah. Frawley didn't take over until I think two years into it. Okay. Uh, suddenly the case would hand handed over to Frawley. And Mike said, well, good, now we'll get some answers. And Mike and I went in and had an original meeting with him. And he told us the story about the Grizzly Adams guy. And, and I listened to that. He doesn't know
0: Yeah, I don't know the Grizzly Adams story.
1: <laughs> um, he said that back in 2018, 2018, and we were talking to him that he had a, a woman from Texas call in about her missing husband and gave him actual locations of where he might be. And so Frank said that he went to this place in Yelm and he found the guy, and the guy looked like Grizzly Adams, and he told him. Uh, hey I got people looking for you, you're missing and the guy got extremely angry with him and said um, you found me, now I gotta move. I don't want anything to do with that woman. And so he had to go back to his office.
2: And he also made it very clear that he was very well established, he had a good job, he didn't want to be found. Yeah. He He, he, he said all that too.
1: Yeah. And and some of that's you'll hear Frawley talking about that on the podcast, this last podcast, and that um, the they went back and told the woman, and the woman got furious, the wife with them, and um, that's when Frawley starts using words like she flipped the bitch switch, and. Um, and basically, maybe Logan just wants to go away and be black. And gay. Or be gay.
0: There were no indications that he was gay, right? No.
2: Yeah. And even no. if he was, he'd have been accepted. Yeah. They've made that oh, we wouldn't have
1: cared. <laughs> I mean, rather have... No judgment. Just rather have him here, no matter what he is. Purple, orange you know, blue, smurfy, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's, I mean... So, that, I lost, when that happened, he told us that story. I can't remember if he said those things back when he told us that story. But when he tells it again to James, he says it's three years ago. Well, a friend of mine whose brother is missing told me that he told her that same story when she went to him about her brother being missing, and that was just I think after Logan went missing, and and I think you can't compare Logan to a fifty-year-old man who wants to be not not to be found, and that and that's what he seems to be doing.
0: He, yeah, I mean Logan just got out of college. It was you know probably had planned ahead of him years ahead of him. he did
1: I actually have a, um, a private message asking him are you anxious to get going here locally at school and he said yes I am I want to register at and I think it was South Sound, South Puget Sound he, he had no intentions of leaving he had a he had a car, he had a driver's license. Jenny took care of him. I mean, he he was fed, he had food, he had
2: clothes.
1: Clothes, yeah. He he had what he needed. I think he was extremely unhappy with Jake being there and now that I hear some of the interviews on the podcast where Jake was referring to Logan as a using an n-word and that Logan didn't like him it just makes me all the more suspicious that something really bad happened to Logan i and and even at the time Jenny and i were speaking we'd always been speaking. Um, I've been speaking with Hannah, yet Frawley said on his this last podcast, or when he was interviewed, that he thinks Logan left because of the problems between Jenny, Mary, Hannah and Jeannie. We don't even have a Jeannie in our family. So I'm so disappointed.
2: It also sounds like Chloe was, there was also a point that someone had said, someone had asked Chloe and Jake both, where's Logan, or something like that, and she said, fuck him, or fuck that guy, or something like that, so it sounded like she was turning on him too, at some point, who knows when, but it sounds like she was kind of taking Jake's side. There.
0: When did uh Chloe and Jake split?
1: Gosh. I I would maybe maybe almost a year later.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean uh, Chloe is an interesting case because, you know, um I did have somebody comment about her saying they know her, you know, in the community, so it seems like she has some ties around here. Um, and I've heard like various things. I've heard not only was she, you know, part of some of the, the racist comments or, or bad treatment that was that Logan was suscept- was made to go through. Um, I've also heard about the, uh, the her taking the severing in for auto work, you know, pretty pretty frequently. So I guess to me that shows she's at least she's at least aware of uh, this situation and is trying to cover something up, maybe, you know.
2: She also won't work with the police. She won't work with James. She won't work with anyone. She won't talk to anybody, and she tries to use the "I'm distraught" bullshit.
0: Wait, see, I don't, I don't talk to police, but I would talk to
2: James. Right? Like she should at least there talk to the podcast. There you, you know? go. Yeah. Who's trying to help? Yeah. So it's it's uh, and and same with Hannah. Hannah got really, you know, Logan's mom she got really disgusted with the way the police treated her and the way that things went on. And and she was just like, you know what? Fuck off. I don't want to deal with you, you know? And I get, I get that part, but Chloe has been asked several times. James has, and he even said in the beginning of the podcast, like, I understand if you don't trust me, I understand if you don't get it, we can speak in private completely off record. He makes it very clear. We don't, you can be anonymous. You don't even have to, I don't even have to say that I spoke to you directly. I just want to know for myself. If you're trusted, if we can, if we can trust you, if we can handle, you know, if if this is working, she won't talk. And she'll say, she finally spoke through Jenny, her grandma, on the last podcast, which was her de-tearing. She, she said, if you want to know anything, speak to two other people. And they did. They spoke up. James went and, and interviewed them and they were like... She basically stabbed them in the back. They were like, well, we thought we were friends, but... I guess not.
0: Wow. So, yeah. I mean, the, the chain of evidence that I'm hearing is that... Uh, on the day that Logan goes missing, or the day before... I remember, it's the car's pinged, you know, to to Camus, right? It goes back up to Lacey, you know, drives through the area. And the person who was seen... The 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 tall skinny person. I mean that that fit Jacob's description. Right?
2: That reminds me, <laughs> because of the the description that fits that person that went running off was the same person who was seen in the vehicle. It was Sarah's testimony. No, it wasn't Sarah. It was. Um, uh... Let me read that if I can find it. Yeah, it was Julie's. Julie told me I could read it. Let's see where it is. I have it in here somewhere. Well,
1: she, I she got me. a message on a Facebook page that I had started for Logan. We had started a Facebook page because we thought, okay, we'll find him. I mean, he's he's got to be... We'll just start a there Facebook is. page and one of his friends will show up.
3: Okay.
1: But that didn't happen. But it. But I did get a private message from someone who said, I'm sorry I didn't call you ahead of time, but I saw that car get on the freeway at I-5 and Tumwater Boulevard because I had just gotten off work. Well, at that time, you know, I responded and told her that would she be willing to talk to a detective and she said yes. So what we did was we had hired a retired detective from Thurston County Sheriff's Office, uh, Dave Howler, and Dave went over to Julie's apartment and sat and talked with her. And then he contacted us and he said she's very credible. She's very credible. And so we re- highly recommended she call and talk to Beale. She called me after she talked to Detective Beale and she told him that she had seen the car and he promptly told her that Logan had never been in that car. He's never driven that car. Jake. Oh, I'm sorry, not Logan. Jake. Jake. Jake,
0: yeah.
1: Hopefully you can edit.
4: Yeah, for
3: sure. <laughs>
1: um, that that Jake had never been in that car. He'd never ridden in the car. And then he proceeded to tell her that the family is going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And she basically said she wasn't there to argue with him. She just wanted to tell him what she saw. And so she called me and told me that's what he said. And I said, well, can, can you send him an email confirming that's what he said? So she sent him an email saying, you know, I'd like to confirm that you told me, you know, family's going in the wrong direction, Jake. and, And he did not respond with an email, but he called her and she still has that message on her phone because she was so upset that she had seen this. And they told her, no, you couldn't have seen that or at least Beal told her. So she has now come out and identified herself Mm -hmm. as having, she was the one who saw the car. And I believe she saw it, the way she tells the story, she said she thought the person was dirty. And then she said that she one day was looking at Jake's picture and she knew that was him. And then she said that he he had his, he was making a right-hand turn and she was coming from the opposite direction and she said he looked dirty and then she on the picture that she saw there was a tattoo on his right left forearm and she said that's what I thought was dirt it's a tattoo I mean she is so credible very
2: descriptive yeah very descriptive she said she was very close to him. So I have the what she wrote here because she told me, she gave me permission to read it. And she posted it uh, publicly anyway. Um, it says, I am the person who saw someone driving Logan's car on southbound I-5 around the same time of day the car was abandoned. The person driving that car fit Jake's description. I reported it to Detective Beale on June 29th 2016. The problem is I couldn't remember the exact day so maybe I don't sound very reliable. I hated hearing that audio of me. I know what I saw. Our cars were pretty close and side by side at one point, just leaving a stoplight. I have not discussed this on any public pages, and I know I'm opening myself up to people who may not believe me, but I am so damn frustrated right now after hearing Frawley's attitude. When I spoke to Detective Beale in 2016, I was told, I think the family's going in the wrong direction with this. End quote. He, to- he said he talked it over with his mother, Update: the detective's mother, who is a psychiatric nurse, and they decided it looked more like Logan had a psychotic episode. Mind you, this is what he's telling a witness who called in to report seeing someone driving a missing person's car. The way this case has been handled from the beginning is appalling. After I contacted law enforcement, I became very involved in searching for Logan and have participated in physical searches, online searches, and fundraisers. I cannot let this go. Um, when I spoke to her about this, she said that when she saw him, it was right here on Tumwater Boulevard, um, and that the pictures of Jake that came out later sent chills down her spine, that she knows exact, that she knows for a fact that it was him.
0: So do you have a picture of Jacob that you can pull up? Yeah.
1: Would there. like to yeah, I'd
0: like to identify those tattoos if I can. There's,
1: um, there's a good of the conversation. You show that to me that I've had
2: It's hard to So here's just his face though. <laughs> Funny how his
0: That's, okay, wow. So, somebody showed up to a, a, a place, uh, what is the uh, Arena Tietzel house in Little Rock? Um,
1: it's a woman,
3: that's
1: her name. Oh, okay. But you can scroll down.
0: Okay. That's, that's her what? name. She has a, a Logan poster. Her. Wow. It's always no, nothing, wow. nothing found. no information no good information. oh this oh, I didn't realize this
2: was Frank's messages <laughs> wow. what's funny is the the people that he's friends with are all known drug addicts yeah. and drug dealers you know I'm sure you know who that is this is my uh cousin's baby's dad actually who is currently a drug addict <laughs> um which is kind of ironic, <clears throat> but here are some tattoos. I don't know if you can really
0: I'm see. So this is what this guy looks like. Yeah, I need to look at those chest tattoos really to see. Yeah, I'll try to find some more. his arms are a little. like squids, you know.
2: What's funny is, well, the squid that he is.
0: So with that, I mean, the the drug addict comment. Um, the people that he affiliates with. I'm a, I'm a little. Less inclined to cast people aside for drug use, you know. I understand. That. No, I it
2: just explains his. Well,
0: you specifically talked about two of those people involved in, in, in a racist incident. Yeah. Um, who who are in that that cycle of those people? So that's the with part my experience with it's,
2: it's yeah with my experience with racism and drugs. You're gonna deal with anger and there's a lot of race happiness. I mean, well, yes, he grew up in Elma. Okay,
0: yeah.
2: Um he also when you're when you're on drugs, you you have happy moments when your endorphins are kicking in and then when you're when you're withdrawing and you're coming down, you can get edgy, irritable and pissy. Mm-hmm. And when someone's getting on your last nerve and someone finally flips over that last domino, I mean, I'm not saying he is to blame, I'm not saying he isn't, but there's a lot of leads that add that way. I mean,
0: I'm definitely more inclined to say I do believe, I do believe Jacob is responsible. Mm-hmm. The evidence points to this. Oh, well, there's, there's Jake the, the, and the Chloe right there. You see. Um,
2: yeah. I have, I feel like there's several peoples of interest at this point, but, um, he didn't do it alone.
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk about the other incident? Uh, you said five months later to the day?
2: Oh, they're not sure whether or not um, the people that were involved with who killed uh, Dakota um, yeah uh, Jonathan and uh, Vincent they're not sure if they're connected or not Um, that's something that's kind of uh, speculation at this point so five months to the day Dakota was found dead at the peak um, Capitol Forest on a walk, kind of off of a walking trail, kind of why somebody was walking there is kind of weird to me because we went up there and saw where he was found Um, but uh, it wasn't far off the street where he was um, shot dead um, and left there um, by uh, uh, Jonathan and Vincent and they're both in prison right now they had came from, was it Virginia? I don't remember, somewhere Ohio. Ohio? Somewhere over there Pennsylvania, Ohio yeah they were Maggie's. yeah. They came over there and, and from over there. One of them escaped prison. Another one was just on for the ride, leaving his wife. They both came over here. They, from what I understand, were in this little love love affair quarrel. I'm not sure exactly the specifics. Um they picked up Dakota on the way from California, I think it was. And they drove up here and um It was kind of this... I think they ended up doing this... um, And I could be wrong if I get the specifics wrong. Um, They were doing some, like, back and forth from um, eastern Washington to here with petty freaking marijuana. It was really stupid. Um, But, uh, yeah. So, it was that kind of thing. The only thing that was suspicious was that... Who was the woman who was... The fake the fake Facebook account that was on both Logan's page and what was her name Garlock Diana Garlock, Diana Garlock, was the so this person who's um, being held responsible for killing Dakota was also this like master manipulative checkbook fraud and he openly admits that and he also is he's great at you know hacking accounts and setting up fake profiles and this and that so we don't know if this diana garlock is actually maybe his wife or if, if, if it's him or whoever it could be but there is this fake facebook account um that is friends with them and also on logan's facebook page what,
1: what happened was we knew we knew that to young, light-colored black guy, we found a body, and we we were all thinking, oh no, it's Logan, but it turned out to be Dakota. And so when they finally caught the killers and they published their name in a newspaper, Mike looked at the names, and then Mike said, oh, he said, Logan's got somebody on his Facebook page as a friend that has the same last name. And we looked, and sure enough, it it was from uh, Diana Garlock from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So out of character. He has very few Facebook friends anyway, but why would he have that one? Um, We tried calling the sheriff's office, got some really rude guy at one point. They just dismissed it. They said, not connected, not connected. But it was like you'd ask them, "Look, look on Instagram." Well, I don't have Instagram, and I'd say, "Well, you have. You don't have to have Instagram. I mean, you have to. You can look at it without even being on it." So, so they really didn't get the connection that this was possibly maybe a catfishing um, profile that Logan fell for because they, they were getting young guys off dating sites like Tinder and whatnot. So when they did, when James, I mean, James just went for it and called these guys and contacted them because they're in prison now. And when he, when he asked them, about the name Diana Garlock, they went, it was like dead silence for this one guy. He said nothing. And then he said, how did you get that name? And it's obvious that it meant something to them. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, So. are concerning. So that's
1: concerning. But you know, that just, that adds another rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that that um, is, yeah, like you said, it adds another rabbit hole, and where it could lead to, it could be nothing, and it could be something. There's this um, weird, there's this weird connection also, where people have seen Logan at the same place that Jake would frequent, and also this other character named Griffin, um, who I think is a person of interest, um, and that's my opinion. Um who also has a rap sheet of being racist and assaulting a cab driver ex- in in Bellingham. Um explaining that um he just literally just beat him up just for simply being he was wearing a turban. For yeah, yeah for yeah, wearing a he, turban. He and, he, and he went to talk- correct he and he he um is MIA at this point um and he was the one who we believe Logan got the half for 75 from correct yeah, yeah. so um you know what happens, but yeah uh, a half for 75 it's like a half grand. yeah
1: There's a the night Logan went missing. there's a text between him and Griffin that said half for seventy five
0: that's so that would uh I'm thinking like seventy five dollars is probably like a half ounce in' buying correct so
1: is that would. Is that, I is that mean, what we cost? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's relatively And that's a
0: small so amount. That's, that is a small amount. It's a that's, very small amount. That's obvious. Uh, the prices have also gone down since it's been legalized. Right.
2: And yeah. and even then, it was 2016. It wasn't that... I mean, it yeah. wasn't that big of a deal. And from, according to all of Logan's friends, and even them, and even Griffin, even these people who've been interviewed it wasn't logan's he never got into dabs he never got into heavy i was wondering it was a like big amount to buy yeah it's it was such... like a a joint or a blunt here and there it wasn't like a hardcore heavy just get stoned out of your mind all day long kind of thing that logan did it wasn't you know okay. it wasn't like he was just ripped all day every day it was probably something he'd he would, he would probably have an evening smoke to just uh, chill out to try to get to sleep at night and escape really. <laughs> I mean, shoot. But
1: Jake was on uh, heroin.
2: Yeah, Jake was on heroin and meth, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah he looked terrible. And, so, and some of the still pictures is. I saw of him, he looked terrible. He needs to save himself.
2: He still is from what I understand. He doesn't have custody of his children anymore, last I heard, because of it.
1: Well, he didn't have custody. His, or access his, to them at all. Yeah, access, yeah. His, and and he actually, and it's a public record so I can talk about it. He actually got into a domestic violence situation with his wife when, or his mother of his, his mama, kid's mama, when she was pregnant and had and already had a baby she was holding in which he attacked her and kicked her in in the stomach and tried to strangle her and took took her phone and it was a really violent um actually the police report for that Mm -hmm. and then he suddenly left and ran into the woods and i had a friend come pick him up sound familiar
0: oh my god yeah isn't that creepy yeah that's that's very creepy you know
1: and that's and he was in uh, he spent some time in i don't know prison or county jail i'm not sure he had to go to rehab and he was making all his appointments until logan vanished and then he quit he quit going in and then they Put out a warrant, and they uh, picked him up after he and Chloe returned from Las Vegas, I believe. Which was right after he went missing. They went to, to Vegas.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. Did they uh, at that point did they have the severing at all, or was that under uh, Jenny's care?
1: Um, the car was always in Jenny's name. Yeah, and then it was always in her name, and it was always in her care since she went and picked it up. It was.
0: She still she's At alive? her place,
1: yeah. okay. yes, okay. she's alive. But her husband Bill, who yeah. was very fond of Logan, um, passed away two years ago. He was he was extremely ill, and he, he seemed to go downhill when oh. Logan.
0: And is that what caused you think like his his health deterioration?
2: I, I think it had models. a lot
1: to do with it. had a lot to do with hers, too.
2: Um, what about, um, Jake's job, Pacific Wall Systems, is that what it was called? Yes.
1: They have one in Camas. Wow. Yeah, he worked at Pacific Wall Systems.
0: I saw that James went down to Camas very recently. Yes. Yeah, and he found uh, the, the patch of woods where the car was pinged to, does that give you hope for, you know, uh, does he intend to go do forensic searching there? I mean, is that something he can do? Is that?
1: I don't think James can actually do the forensic searching, no, can. No. but <clears throat> I think that, um, I think that he will continue to keep researching that situation. He's told me a little bit about it. Um, he's, he's, he's been, tips. he's been very diligent at this.
0: So did he, uh, kind of get into this himself? Just saw the case and was very interested in contacting you? Or did y'all get in contact with him?
1: Well, what happened was, um, I'm going to put this down. It's not, um, what happened was we had heard, we actually live in the same neighborhood that Nancy Moyer lived in.
0: Um, was that his first uh, season?
1: And he, when we heard about him going to be in town, um, and he was going to—he was a podcaster and he was going to work on the Nancy Moyer case. So he had a meet a meeting in Tenino at. Uh, what was it? What it was a tavern. What was it the name of that place? I can't
3: remember
1: the, the name of it. But. And he encouraged anybody who knew Nancy to come in and talk to him. So, so that night Mike and I went to this tavern and we waited. And people we saw James come in with um, a few other people. One was an older man who was a, I believe a forensics, a retired forensics detective, but I'm not positive, but he was very knowledgeable. And people would, they came in and sat at the table. So I kind of got up from our spot and I went over to the table and I handed them cards. I have a little Logan um, business card type things printed up.
0: I have a pack of those I, I oh, took good. last time.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. And I handed them to them and they were like, what's this, another person? And I said, I'm not asking you to do anything, just when you're on the trail for Nancy, just keep an eye out and an ear out for this. And so James actually did come over to our table and sat and talked to us and asked Mike a few questions. And and he was just really genuine and sincere. I just, I just felt this, Automatic trust with him that that I hadn't felt at all before with the other detectives. He wasn't arrogant or extremely stiff and businesslike. Uh, he was pretty genuine. So I then joined the hide and seek podcast, and I listened to Nancy's podcasts and listen to the interviews from the Thurston County Sheriff's Office on that. So about, I think maybe a year later, when they had, James had actually located some, an area where Nancy, it was rumored Nancy might be, and the Sheriff's Office actually brought a backhoe out to that area and was we working on it and, and then they got a confession out of the guy that supposedly killed Nancy and then immediately they got a I lied I, I did not kill her so it became a really complicated case but anyway in the meantime I had a massive heart attack and ended up with the open heart surgery in the hospital and I and first two weeks and then rehab to learn to walk again. So I got a call when I was in the hospital and it was James and said, I think he said, were you interested in doing a crime con? And I said, I can't, I had a heart attack and I'm just sitting here trying to heal at open heart surgery. So we talked a little bit and it took me a while How long did it take me? A long time, a year to recover. And then one day I got a message from James saying, are you ready to do Logan's story now? And I said, I am. So he took it on and we, it was a long, long procedure. And he spent hours and hours working on it. But he got the details. And then at one point we went in to see Frank. And I was so disappointed when I left because, well, I don't think we went in to see him. I think he said it. Oh, I called him. And he said on the phone, he said, well, this podcast is nice and everything, but I can't use any of it. He said, I can't do anything with it. These people have to come to me and talk. Well, they're not gonna come to him and talk. I mean, he's sitting in a nice office in an Italian suit and and has the policeman air about him, you know, the staunch, uh, business-like cop attitude, and they're not gonna come in and talk to him.
0: Yeah, they're not gonna sit in interrogation
2: yeah. Rather t- even person. if I was the guilty one I'd much rather sit there and talk to somebody who's not going to judge me versus
1: someone who's
2: going to go
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I remember when, when Logan's mother did go in to try to talk to them the first time she walked out and she said they're racist and I mean she's she's mixed race as well um, and she was just so disgusted and disappointed at how they treated her. Mm -hmm. She said she wasn't going back. Mm -hmm. She was not going to go back because she was just, she was humiliated, she was disgusted, she was grilled. I mean, that part I just don't get. Like
2: she did something.
1: Right, it's like the families, it's the families. Uh, the families caused this. If you can't find a body, the families caused it all or this missing person, the families. Um, it's just very- Disheartening. Disheartening is the exact word I was thinking of. So, and I really haven't talked to her then. I, She's, there were times back then when I talked to her where she was unable to get out of bed. She was devastated. She was afraid that maybe he had eaten something with peanuts in it. She was just, it was her son. I mean, it's her only son.
0: You and she,
1: she pretty much just has been a recluse. It's
2: so sad. She
1: doesn't want to talk about it. She won't talk to James about it. I think it causes her so much distress to talk about it that she just can't.
2: I would die if I lost my kid. I don't know what
1: I would do. And he had actually been to her place. She said um, about a week before he went missing, and he had asked her if he could move in with her. And she told me that she told him, "Well, you could, but you probably wouldn't like it, because because she has a boyfriend, and uh, or a partner, I guess I should." And she just she said she felt guilty for not encouraging him to move in with her so these are all the details that the detectives never bothered to find out
0: these are all the details that are exactly what was important. was important. Yeah. as yes. To consider who the players' characters are. This
2: is why he doesn't want it to be known. He wants it to look like he left on his own accord because of family bullshit, and it's not the case. James James made that very clear from the jump. He, you know, I think one of the biggest things that Frawley wanted everyone to believe was that he went to his his dad was a fly uh, could fly airplanes, and he was he ping his phone pinged at the olympia airport well they lived right by it yeah
3: um
2: and um in that uh he he went to go live with his dad in saudi arabia well what did james do call his dad figures out where the (laughs) hell he's at and gets a hold of him and boom knocks that theory right out the door you know it's like it doesn't take you know a rocket scientist nowadays with facebook and every other social media aspect to figure out how to get a hold of somebody anywhere in the world and that ping
1: was jenny The ping at the Olympia airport was Jenny logging on to Logan's computer after she found out he was missing to post, has anybody seen Logan? And that's what that ping was. No, he wasn't at the airport. And another interesting fact too
2: was how many times that Detective Frawley wanted to make him look crazy. Saying he turned his pictures at the house around, or that he left his TV in the living room, and and he was putting toys out on the ground. Um, to to he had a manic episode, making people feel like he went, like had a psychotic breakdown.
0: And he's trying to. I, I remember when we talked, you were telling me it was a bit about like tied to the weed, just the fact that he was smoking. Frawley was theorizing <laughs> that that made him lose it, which shows Frawley is a. A narc who has not smoked a joint in his life. Right.
1: Pretty (laughs) much. You know, one of the things that that you're reminding me, one of the things when we, when Mike and I went in for the first time to see Beale in this little room, Beale told us that his mother was a psychiatric nurse at the hospital and that His mother believes that Logan had a psychiatric event, and pulled over on the freeway and ran into the woods. And that's what happened. Okay, I'm I'm really glad that your mom's a psychiatric nurse. I'm I'm sure she's a wonderful person, but why are you not doing the legwork and the research from Logan's family? Who knows him? Right. I mean, even if he then. were
0: to have a psychotic breakdown, why are you not trying to find where he went? Like, if you're yeah. saying he ran into the woods, why don't you go check the woods? They go did. They, they had area. a search
1: I, I where they did use the search and rescue to search that area of the woods. And they used um, heat-sensitive equipment on a helicopter, oh. I believe. To search that area of the woods and they couldn't find anything. Mike went over and walked the woods I don't know how often. I mean it was like miles that he walked those woods.
0: And by all accounts it wasn't Logan who ran into the woods. No,
1: no.
2: The people who saw this person run was a white man with straight hair and Logan was mixed race but he was not he was not my skin color and The phone records prove that when Logan's car was ditched on the freeway there were frantic calls from Jake's phone.
1: Yeah. Hmm. There were like eight calls from Jake's phone. It couldn't find Jake's
0: phone to Logan or just just Jake's phone's out?
1: No. It's on
2: the it's it's on the it's on the podcast. Jake's phone was calling and texting Chloe. Chloe, yeah, okay.
1: The car, I believe it was reported at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that it went across the freeway and no driver and hit the median. At that same time, Jake's phone sent out. At three oh four? Yeah. Eight texts.
4: Several calls back to back. Like pick
1: wow. me yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Like that's. that's but that's what we don't
2: know for sure, and that's if we could get the phone records that say what those text messages were, we could find out what they said. Yeah. But they won't do. But Frawley won't do it.
0: How long are phone records protected? Seven you know?
2: years. Okay,
0: seven years. We have so we still left. have time.
2: Yeah.
3: Two years, wow. two.
1: and then they're destroyed. And then they're gone. Um,
3: so Frawley just waiting it out.
1: You know, in all fairness, Jake. Jake was texting Chloe a lot over and over and over again during all hours of the day if if he wasn't with her. But he had told the detectives that he was floating the river that in March, day. March 19th. Well, no, 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 no. no. May. Or May, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. May, May, I'm sorry. Yeah. That he was floating the river in May on that on those two days, Thursday and Friday, um, yet his timesheet at work shows him at work. Uh, okay. Um specific
4: wall system.
1: Which was
2: also written in. In
4: Camus. Was, was
1: he no, in Camus?
2: Uh,
4: no, he worked out at. Uh, the facility here is down on 93rd Avenue. Okay.
1: Yeah, but they make walls and they had delivered walls to Camus. Uh in
4: The crew will go along with the trusses to unload and help get them started. Would they take their own vehicles as well? Or is no, like, are, are going
1: Jake didn't have a car. They would it. go and on he didn't trucks. Have a, he didn't have a driver's license. And I asked Jenny once when she told me she was paying for his phone for him because she felt, she felt an obligation to his little boys and his children Of course. That... Um, I said, "Well, well, why are you paying? Why do, he has a job? Why doesn't he pay for his own phone?" And she said, "Because he smokes his paycheck." It's
2: kind of a blessing that she did, because we wouldn't have those records had right. she not.
1: And she really thought she was getting Logan's records, and it turned out she had back in two thousand sixteen. She thought she was getting Logan's records to send, give to the sheriff's office, but she ended up with Jake's records. They never caught it. So that whole time
2: the police with their awesome skill set thought that they were getting Logan's activity and thinking he was alive.
3: Yeah.
2: Using his phone. Yeah. But it was actually Jake's Jake's phone phone. records. Yeah, Yeah, and it was like it was the
1: physical um records. It was the physical remember how they used to send you your bill and it was phone numbers. All phone numbers, you're right. And so that's what it was. And they never looked at the phone numbers. They used their I so think it's what's what it did it they called? do with it? I mean. Celebrate they used his phone. They put the 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 forensic detective uses software for the phone and they put that phone on his software and I think it's called Celebrate. Celebrate. And that's what he used. He never looked at the records. Had he looked at the records, he would have seen he had somebody else's records. Yeah. Five years.
0: And there's a very specific person they were calling right yeah. after Logan disappears, mm. and Jacob is frantic. S- frantic, you know, and right. somebody's seen to go into the woods. It's
1: and that's and that and the other thing I believe that Beale had told us was that. He believed that the last call, looking at the cellulite records, the last text sent out from Logan's phone was that mumbo jumbo about this weed is loud, our weed is loud. And he said, and that's the last text he sent. And he said, um, and whatever happened to him happened then. Was that after his phone, that last text? Well, if he had if he had looked at the actual physical phone numbers and records that Jenny sent him, he would have seen that there were calls made after the car was dumped. Calls that night, calls the next day, and he, and he would have thought, "Oh, wait a minute, here's more phone calls." And that's what James did because James called me. He said, I've got these records. When was the last time Logan's phone was used? When did they tell you? I said, it was that one night where he sent out the last text. And then whatever happened to him happened. He said, well, I got calls here from the time the car uh, was recovered well into the next day and I said and we and we were just shocked that that had not been discovered so then it took James a while he went through a process of how could Logan have made these calls because they had his phone his phone was in the car and then he even looked further and he ran some of the numbers you know reverse directory and then he realized it was Jake's phone. It was Jake's phone records. Which, which said a lot because there were people on there he had called.
2: Here's also something that James found very interesting. That's Jake's time card. Yeah. Um, notice the four circled Yeah. and it scratched out at the bottom.
3: Yeah.
2: Also, the person who the supervisor at the time said it was very it was it was very unlikely that anyone wrote in because they had a time stamper um, that it was very unlikely that this would happen now look at the difference between the e and the a and the T's up here and then down here
0: oh yeah that's totally different handwriting correct. P. Yeah, the E, the A, the Ts. The... So it's almost
2: as though someone had written, "Hey, you know, you, they whited out the timestamp here, but they had circled he was only in this week for four hours, and that was his the end of his timesheet. They wrote four hours. Yep. Then they scratched it off, whited it out, and then wrote these in. Who would have done this? Well, they interviewed the girl that Stevie was. That her name? his ex coworker stevie she was also using too at the time so. and they had fired her yeah. um they interviewed her james interviewed her on one of the podcasts and she explained that um she had, she worked with him at the time and there were she couldn't give exact answers you could tell she was a little talky talky um she's also nowhere to be found at this point Because James wanted to re-interview her again after he had spoken with the supervisor who has always been there, and after he interviewed him, and he said this is absolutely not normal. Yeah, where she said it was. Um, he tried to interview her again, and she's nowhere to be found.
0: Okay, so she's definitely a person of interest. To cover up the hours, yeah,
2: or at least somebody who wasn't who stepped in as an alibi. Yeah. And could have just simply said, yeah, I did that, but I don't know why he asked me to. I mean, that's all she had to say.
0: Can the supervisor confirm that he was only in
2: for four weeks? Or was he just, did he just, he actually, said, not the way that he said that he would have never approved this. Yeah. Um, that, that, anything that gets adjusted on a time card would have to go through him. And he did not do that.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, so we have it. So, so that, th- so I Jacob's mean, it was not at work. Jacob. And Frawley knows this. Yeah, Frawley knows this. Frawley knows he went down to Camas and back. Or the car went to Camus and back. and yeah. He's seen exiting the car. I mean, it's uh, along they... with his, his past behavior of abandoning uh, or somebody <laughs> and running into the woods. Logan Schindelman is missing. If he were alive today, he would have been 25 years old with his family. Unfortunately, that is not the case, and people are still trying to find what happened to him. By all accounts, and by all the evidence, Jacob seems to have played a large part in his disappearance and possible murder. We'll continue discussing more evidence in the next few weeks, talking with further people, and doing more to expose what happened to Logan Schindelman. Detective Frank Frawley is covering this up. Detective Frank Frawley is a danger to his community because he is absolutely aware that there is evidence that leads to Jacob being a large part in this racist murder, and he refuses to act on it. That's the Thurston County Sheriff's Department for you, and we'll continue updating you about their work. Thank you. That's it for the Antifa News Podcast. I'm your host Miguel, allegedly, and join us next week to keep yourself updated on an anti fascist analysis of our local, state, and national headlines based out of Stitch Us, the so called capital of Washington State. Thank you.